Hello there, and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a Brothers Grimm tale. My name is Matthew Hughes, and with me on this journey is my co-host, Mr. Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading. The death of the little hen. So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a... Grim Reading! Once upon a time, the little hen went with the little cock to the nut hill, and they agreed together that whoever of them found a kernel of a nut should share it with the other. Uh, this isn't like previously on Chanticleer and Partlet. No. This is a different trip to the nut hill. Definitely. Okay. Then the hen found a large, large nut, but said nothing about it, intending to eat the kernel herself. Whoa, that's not the deal. It's not on, is it? <laughs> the kernel, however was so large that she could not swallow it, and it remained sticking in her throat so that she was alarmed lest she should be choked. <gasps> then she cried, oh, Cock, I entreat you to run as fast as you can and fetch me some water, or, or I shall choke. The little cock did run as fast as he could to the spring and said, Oh, stream, you have to give me some water. The little hen is lying on the nut hill, and she has swallowed a large nut, and it's choking. The well answered, What? The well answered. Wait, wasn't it a spring a second ago? Yes. <laughs> Get your story straight. Stick with it. <laughs> Have you not heard these stories before? <laughs> the well answered, First run to the bride and get her to give you some red silk. The little cock ran to the bride what? and said, why do, why? Bride, bride, you are to give me some red silk. I want to give red silk to the well. The well is to give me some water. And I want to take the water to the little hen who is lying on the nut hill and has swallowed a large, great kernel and is choking on it. The bride answered, first run and bring me my little wreath which is hanging to a willow. So the little cock ran to the willow and drew the wreath from the branch and took it to the bride. And the bride gave him some water for it. Then the little cock took the water to the hen, but when he got there, the hen had choked in the meantime and lay there dead and motionless. Whoa! It's partlet. Dead and motionless. Gone. But <laughs> she was so young. Then the cock was so distressed that he cried aloud, and every animal came to lament the little hen. And six mice built a little carriage to carry her to her grave, and when the carriage was ready, they harnessed themselves to it, and the cock drove. Of course he did. So we're on the way to the... Yeah, the, yeah the not funeral. in the nut carriage. Or might be in a different nut carriage yeah. built by the mice this time. They really love carriages. Yeah, every story has a nut carriage. <laughs> on the way, however, they met the fox, <gasps> who said, Where are you going, little cock? I'm going to bury my little hen. May I drive with you? Yes, uh, but seat yourself at the back of the carriage, for in the front my little horses could not drag you. <laughs> What? <laughs> it's little mice. Basically. Yeah, but what difference does it make if it's in the front or the back? That doesn't make any difference. Then the f well, apparently it does because the <laughs> fox seated himself at the back, and after that, the wolf, the bear, the stag, the lion, and all the beasts of the forest did the same. They're sat in the back, and they're all being pulled by six mice. Then the procession. Yeah, what's the issue? <laughs> These are hench mice. Then the procession went onwards, and they reached the stream. So they reached the stream, basically. Okay. Oh, how are we to get over? Said the little cock. Now, a straw was lying by the stream, and it said, I will lay myself across, and you shall drive over me. 
But when the six mice came to the bridge, the straw slipped and fell into the water, and the six mice all fell in it and were drowned. No! Yeah. Then they were again in difficulty. But a coal came and said, I am large enough. I will lay myself across, and you shall drive over me. Mm. So the coal also laid itself across the water, but unfortunately it just touched it a little bit. It just touched it a little bit. On which the coal hissed and was extinguished and died. Oh, it was hot. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> right, next a bean. <laughs> no. The coal, the straw, and the bean. Yeah. Let's talk about that later. <laughs> When a stone saw that. So the stone's been watching <laughs> the whole When a stone thing. saw that, he's like, you idiots. <laughs> it took pity on the little cock. He's like, all right then. Right, let me sort this one. And he wished to help, and he laid himself over the water. Then the cock drew the carriage himself. But when he got it over and reached the other shore with the dead hen and was about to draw over the others who were sitting behind as well, you know, all the beasts of the forest, uh-huh. there were too many of them. The carriage ran back, and they all fell into the water together and were drowned. What? So the cock has made it over with his uh, hen. Yeah. But everyone else is drowned. Well, everybody else? Everybody. Wow. Then... (laughs) What? What is happening? There's so much death in this episode. Then the little cock was left alone with the dead hen, and dug a grave for her and laid her in it, and he made a mound above it, on which he sat down and fretted until he died too. (laughs) And then everyone was dead. (laughs) The end. We've not yet had a story that ends with, and everyone was dead. The last line of this story is, and then everyone was dead. Now, like, how, how can you have a story in a book that's called Children's and Household Tales, yeah. in which the last line is, and so everyone was, was dead. dead. And also, it may be like, when people talk about a fairy tale ending, they don't mean, and everyone, everyone was, was dead. dead. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, like, so, uh, yeah, if ever someone says, it's a fairy tale ending, just say what? And everyone was dead. <laughs> everyone was dead. <laughs> wow. Well, Adam, so ends the trilogy of Chanticleer and Partlet. I'm sad to see them go, you know. But you I'm a big, big fan of those characters. From getting into a fight with a duck, causing havoc in a pub, yeah. enlisting some animals into killing somebody, yeah. and then finally having difficulty crossing a little stream. Yeah. It's the end of our adventures with your favourite characters. Sad. And all because Partlet got greedy Mm. with the nuts. Mm -hmm. Mm. So, greed. 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 Is that the key to unlocking this trilogy? I think so. Is it all about greed? Well, I couldn't really understand the motivations in the first two stories because there was no discernible gain. They were just going mental. Do you know what I mean? They're just like... Like, going nuts in the inn, they were just like, let's murder a man for fun. Like, why? Don't know. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. There it was, was just no... mayhem for mayhem's sake. Yeah. Just gonna pause there. This is the just just to clarify. This is the <laughs> third right, yeah, and final story in a trilogy of the cock and the hen. So first episode, the pack of ragamuffins, yeah. aka the adventures of Chanticleer and Partlet, part one. How they went to the mountain to eat nuts. Yes. Great subtitle. Um, Agreed. Then part two was Mr. Corbs. Yeah. And finally... And now, of course, the yeah. death of the little hen. And those episodes are sort of sprinkled back the last yeah, few yeah, episodes. Yeah, so you have to go so, back a few, but... Uh, yeah. And please do, because we've been enjoying this story. Oh, yeah, we have. I mean, I, I've, I've made no secret of my affection no. for these two characters, but how do you feel? You like them as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's not just me. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> sure. Uh, I like them. I like them. I, uh, they're not my favourite characters okay. in the world. <laughs> well, I never said they were my favourite in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've met more complex characters sure. in other areas of literature. I've enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it. And I think every time I've been so curious, what on earth are they going to get up to? And how can it, how can it escalate as well? Cause mm, yeah. you, but it, it really has because it has. I think I, t I tried to do like a body count. <laughs> um, so I thought in the pack of ragamuffins, nobody died. An innkeeper got his face all True. scratched up. True. In Mr. Corbs, Mr. Corbs met a horrible end. Like, he got crushed by a millstone after sort of being beaten up by a load of animals. So yeah. that's oh, one death. That's one death. So zero, one. Now we've got... So we've got six mice. Yeah. We've got Chanticleer and Partlet, who yeah. end up dead. So that's eight. You've got the fox. That's nine. Yeah. Uh, bear, yeah. lion. So that's 11. Wolf and stag. So at least 13. 13 plus the straw... The stone and the coal. If we, are, if we are including them as sentient beings, which apparently they are. Yeah, they are, I mean, they were talking. So True. They were offering help. They died. They died. So what's that? 16? 16 deaths. So wow. zero, one, 16. So it's, <laughs> it's definitely... quite an escalation. It's definitely, yeah. Really <laughs> ramped up for the finale. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, this, the, the franchise comes to a close. It's like Avengers Endgame or something. But I quite like that because it's... So, it's, so this story in particular... It's all about her greed. And it's her yeah. greed that doesn't just lead to her own death. It leads to every character in the story True. dies because of her greed. Because so it's she almost swallowed a large nut. <laughs> so it's almost like saying the consequences of your greed have a wider impact. Yeah. And, and if she'd sort of split the nut in half, which was the promise, she would have survived. But in being greedy was her downfall and the downfall of everyone yeah. else. Um, so a cautionary tale there. But having said that, what actually takes over the story? So that's kind of the first half of the story yeah. is her greed. Yeah. And it, you almost feel like that would be the end of a normal story. She died because of her greed. But then it becomes this intense mourning period of Chanticleer. And that almost kind of undercuts the whole issue about greed. Because it's so, so like uh, deep, his grief. Sure. And you, it kind of... Do you know what I mean? It, it undercuts the message of like, well, that serves her right then kind of thing. Exactly. Because actually we're just... We're brought along grieving this poor hen with Chanticleer. Absolutely. And I feel like... I, I quite like that. Because actually, yeah. even though she cheated, you know, the love of her life, Chanticleer... Yeah. 
he doesn't care. He still mourns her. Yeah. I feel like they're like they're thick as thieves. You know, they're bad. They're even bad to each other, but it yeah. doesn't it doesn't affect their bond. Yeah, it goes so deep. But this is it. This is what makes them this kind of like. <laughs> Thelma and Louise or yeah. uh, Bonnie and Clyde kind of characters. Absolutely. Uh, and that's why I love them because they, they are so unlike any ca- other character in all of these stories yeah. we've read. And uh, basically what you have is a couple of crazy chickens that just go mental and kill people. I mean, <laughs> just think about that. Yeah. It's amazing. And the ultimate end is, and everyone was dead. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean yeah you're right you know I'd never in a million years have guessed we'd have a trilogy like that when we started doing these stories yeah <laughs> no about one could have two chickens that. going mental killing people and everyone dies yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think when you put it like that yeah maybe they are my favourite characters <laughs> a lion we've met a lion Adam <laughs> yeah there was a lion okay first lion first stag <laughs> oh, we forgot. I forgot about the stag. Yeah, and second bear. <laughs> so just keeping a count. Where was the first bear? The first bear was at the end of um, the wishing table, the gold ass, the cudgel, and the sack, where the goat is the. That's bee right. And it the was bear. a bit. Yeah. a bit like, whoa, where did the bear come from? <laughs> yeah, I think we start. We need to start jotting down our <laughs> list of yeah. characters. <laughs> I've forgotten. You know, devil's that. grandmother. And a lion now. Uh, and mean, a bear. Yeah. Um, yes, lion. I mean, can you picture a carriage <laughs> with a little, a poor, sad mm. uh, chicken corpse in there with a, a cockerel, a lion, a bear, a stag, a wolf, yeah. all being pulled by six mice? No. That's <laughs> the answer. No, I cannot I picture that. <laughs> There, yeah, there was. It was funny because in Mr. Corbs, there was also he's in the carriage, and a cat stops them and says, "Can I get in?" And he says, "Yeah, but if you hop up in the back because you can't fit in the front." Yeah. And he did exactly. And I said then, I thought, okay, I feel like the cat's going to eat them. Yeah. And, it was and then fine. in this one, it was like, a oh, a fox stops yeah, him, and he says, "If you go in the back, what?" what? Yeah, fox and chicken, like mortal enemies. Yes. What are you doing? And they have to go in the back. I mean, I feel like I, I felt you weren't expecting those familiar tropes like you weren't you weren't expecting the fox to eat them because you know this story you know how mad it's going to be yeah yeah so yeah. all the normal rules go out the window they kind of do with this and yeah and that's why they're so damn good <laughs> so good <laughs> In German, the story is called Von dem Todd des Hünkens. Probably not how you pronounce it, but it's the death of the little hen. The Grimm's state this is an oral tale from Hess, uh, and they note how two of their contemporaries collected similar stories. I'm not sure I believe them. I can't imagine <laughs> this story existing separately in different places, but anyway. Yeah. The Brothers Grimm state that there is a slightly different version from Bavaria, which also involves asking a farmer for some dumplings. But it's basically the same. So he has to go ask the well, ask the woman. I totally forgot about that. What is up with that? (laughs) What is going on there? 
Well, the key there, Adam, may lie in our old friend, the ATU categorization system. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. What <laughs> ATU type is this? It's ATU type 2021, the cock and the hen. Okay. So, right, so all three of them fit into that. So basically, for anyone new, because I think we kind of assume a bit of knowledge here, the ATU categorization system is a framework for comparing folk and fairy tale stories from, from across the world. The world. Yeah. And it, and it categorises them by narratives and motifs, basically. Yeah, and tropes and... Exactly. Yeah. So along those lines, this story is very, very similar to two other stories we've had. Okay. Straw the Coal and the Bean, as we already mentioned. Yeah. And The Louse and the Flea. Louse and the Flea. So let's start with The Straw the Coal and the Bean. Right, so that obviously sprang to mind straight away when you were reading uh -huh. that section because it is incredibly similar to The Straw the Coal and the Bean. They need to cross a stream. Yeah. And in that story, the straw lays itself across to act as a bridge, but it's the hot coal which burns yeah. through it. Yeah. In this scenario, they both meet their ends separately in yeah. different ways. So that, and then I was expecting the pea to, the, or the bean rather, to, yeah. to turn up, and it, it didn't. It was it a was, stone. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was the, the straw, the coal, and the stone this time. <laughs> so, yeah, so there's the straw, the coal, and the bean. We have two recurring characters. And then also the louse and the flea. So that's an, one we did a long time ago. That's yeah. actually the first episode we came across the ATU types. Right. Because I needed them to kind of explain what on earth was going on in this story. Sure. So we don't have any recurring characters, but there's a recurring motif, which is excessive mourning. Excessive mourning, right. Cast so the, the louse was mourning the flea, or the other way around? I can't really remember. Oh, I don't know. And, and that's what kicks off that chain of ever-escalating yeah. events in, yeah. in which everybody was drowned at the end. <laughs> so the louse and the flea and the death of the little hen are right next to each other in the ATU category. Right. They are both under the umbrella category, formula tales, subcategory, cumulative tales, subcategory, again, chains involving death. So they're similar in that they have chains involving death, basically. I think they're yeah. the only two in that category. Yeah. So in, in that one, in The Louse and the Flea, someone dies, and then it just kind of escalates until everyone's drowned and dies. <laughs> yeah. In this one, it's weird because the chain happens before the death. So he goes and he's running around and he goes to the well. Then he goes to the, the bride and then he yeah. comes back and they're dead. And then everyone else dies because, because of the mourning, because they're all lamenting with Chanticleer sure. on the way to bury. I don't know why they couldn't just bury her nearby. Anyway. Well, it had to be elsewhere. Yeah, no, so, so the death doesn't just occur at the end of the chain. It actually occurs yeah. sort of the second part but after it, the initial greed. Exactly, but it still has that cumulative element yeah. to it. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And I thought um, it made me think that you don't often come across formula tales anymore in storytelling. And actually, thinking about it, these days, the cumulative trope you mostly find in song format. So Okay, do tell. You're going to know all of these, Adam. Okay. First of all, ten in the bed. Ah, and the little one said roll over, roll, roll over. over. So they all rolled over and one fell out and then what happens? I don't know. And then <laughs> repeat. <laughs> uh, ten green bottles. Hanging on the wall. And if one green bottle should, should accidentally, accidentally fall, fall, there'll be nine green bottles sitting on the wall. Yeah. Ninety-nine bottles of beer on the wall. 
99 bottles of beer on the wall, 99 bottles of beer. You I don't know, know that, one? that one. Okay, that's a classic. I'm a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> the, the most classic, potentially, is there was an old lady who swallowed a fly. Right. Which is a chain involving death. Yeah. As well, right? So she swallows yeah, a fly, true. then she like swallows a cat to eat the fly, then she swallows a dog to she eat She ends up swallowing a cow or something. I think she swallows a horse and then she dies. Yeah. Um, she would have died long before that. But yeah, yeah, no, that's very true. I've saved the best till last. Excellent. 12 Days of Christmas. Of course. <laughs> it's a cumulative song, isn't it? And a partridge in a pear tree, yeah. And a partridge. Five gold rings. <laughs> Everybody's favourite, isn't it? <laughs> So, yeah, I, basically, I feel like, we, you know, you knew most of those songs, yes, not one of them. not the 99 bottles. Um, it's quite common in, yeah. in a kind of these folky song True. ways. I, yeah. But in storytelling, I mean, I think we need to start mining this again. I think we need some action mm. films that have a cumulative trope. How would you enact that in an action <laughs> film? I'm trying to think. I think that could be our homework. <laughs> <laughs> Write a screenplay. Write a cumulative action screenplay. <laughs> I feel like that's something Christopher Nolan will somehow tackle somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And it jumps around the different cumulative moments. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's all I've got on cumulative tales. But if you're really into your cumulative tales, mm-hmm. I found a blog called chaintales.blogspot.com which sets out to collect cumulative tales from around the world. And so far, they've got 322. So if you know any more and you want to add them or you just love cumulative tales... 322 different Cumulative tales, tales yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to check it out because I do love cumulative tales. Do you? Yeah. Do you really? I do. Okay. Well, we'll find out in the score section. <laughs> So, in Mr. Corbs, you'll remember, we learn a bit more about the history of Chanticleer, right? Yes. So, I kind of want to give Partlet her moment in the spotlight. Absolutely. Now's the time to do it. It is. If ever there was a time. Uh, however, it's quite, it proved quite difficult to do that. Aww. Um, it's quite opaque, her history. And I've just about found, I think, an etymological thread to cling to. So okay. let's go down that path. Dame Partlet is traditionally the name of the mate of Chanticleer in his stories, in the stories that involve Chanticleer. She's a dame? Yeah, that's her name. Dame, dame Partlet. Partlet. Dame Partlet. Wow. My understanding is that Partlet derives from the Middle English Pertelot. Pertelot. The first mention of Pertelot is in Chaucer's Canterbury Tales. Ah. Uh, written in the late 14th century. We went through that in Mr. Corbs. Yeah, we did. Essentially, Pertilot is Chanticleer's chief wife from his hen harem. Chief uh, wife. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, Chaucer used character names with care, and they often had hidden meanings or would be puns or would contribute to the story in a meaningful way. So right. how did he come up with the name Pertilot? Pertilot. There are several theories, but perhaps the most likely is that Pertilot comes from the Middle English pert, meaning attractive, with a diminutive suffix, like elot, to mean essentially little beauty. Yeah. He might be playing with, like, double diminutive suffix, so it's el and ot, I don't really know, though. But along those lines, it was also perhaps, Pertilot was meant to resemble a Middle French female forename, 
I like it. So it's almost like he's invented a fictitious female French name, if that right. makes sense. Yeah. Uh, that's the most likely meaning of the word pertalot. Okay. Uh, but anyway, it's originally from Chaucer. Interesting. That's as far back as we can date and it. In just refreshing my memory, so in Chaucer, Chanticleer, that, that name is already there, is it? I believe he's called Chanticleer. Or so okay. It's written differently because it's Middle English. Sure. So, so Chanticleer comes... and Pertalot, mm -hmm. they start off as, and then as we move yeah. forward in time, away mm -hmm. from Chaucer, they eventually become Chanticleer and Partlet. She's a mysterious figure, yeah. but at least her name we can date back to Chaucer in the late 14th century. Amazing. Wonderful. I'm leaning towards seven point five. I think. Okay. Are you are you gonna lean are you gonna take the plunge? I'm gonna take the plunge. You're gonna give it seven point five? Seven point five. Can we confirm? That's me taking the plunge. Yeah. Seven point five. <laughs> okay. What do you um, think? Um I'm not sure because I I hate to say this, Adam, to you, but I, I I think I'm kind of ready to say goodbye to these characters. I've really enjoyed time with them. Sure. Yeah, I'm kinda of ready to say bye to them. So, uh, I tell you what, weirdly enough, I loved seeing the straw and the coal again. In my head, That's it's exactly true. the same straw and coal. The same <laughs> With stream. this little frayed hair, spiky yeah. hair. Um, and then the coal just instantly touching the water. <laughs> what, just like, going, I'll help you, flops down the water. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> and then they all, like, turn back. So, anyway, how are we going to get across <laughs> the river? <Yeah. laughs> um, uh, I think I'm going to give it a six. Ooh. I'm going to give it a six. Low. Six. Six. There okay. we go. So that is a 13.5. It is. For the death of the little hen. Oh. Now, if you cast your mind back to the Fox Quadrilogy, when we finished that, we totted up the three scores... Four scores. Four, because it was a quadrilogy, not a trilogy. <laughs> to give it a, yeah, one composite score of the whole quadrilogy. Shall we do that for the Chanticleer and Partlet trilogy? I've run the numbers. Could you give us the individual scores of the stories first? So what do we get? Because sure. I think it's, it's descending, isn't it? I think it gets worse. <laughs> it actually is, yeah. So uh, fairly consistent. Yeah. So Pack of Ragamuffins has a combined score of 15 out of 20. Not Corbs. bad. But then we've got Mr. Corpus with 14 out of 20. Okay. And now we've got uh, the death of the little hen with 13.5 out of 20. And that's my fault. I didn't give it the 0.5. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, so, it is. Okay, okay. okay can we so move on? now we've run the numbers. Yeah. And I can tell you, for the trilogy as a whole, average score out of 20 <laughs> is 14.16 recurring. <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely number. That's a lovely round number, isn't it? 14.16 recurring. So. <laughs> Call that 14.2. And I mean, I don't know if you want to round that down to 14, yeah. up to 14.5. Yeah. 
yes uh, to both. They're, yeah. they're totally different yes. things. <laughs> I'd say 14.5. Yeah, let's be fair yeah. to it and give it 14.5. Interestingly, the Fox Quadrilogy then. Yeah, that's what I was just looking up. Um, we gave that 13. <gasps> this is the better franchise. <laughs> it's official. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, it, that's interesting. But, you know, remember, this is like Rotten Tomatoes. This is like averaging it out. So there might yeah. be individually better stories in the Fox. Oh, absolutely. Literature. But this is aggregate scoring. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, slightly irks that it didn't get in the top quartile of 15 and above stories. But hey-ho. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> Time to move on. <laughs> Time to move on. From Chanticleer and Partlet. Now, after we released Mr. Corbs, we got a flurry, a slew of correspondence, uh, more than we've probably had for any other story, surprisingly. It seemed to from listeners. Like, touch a nerve that we were not expecting. <laughs> yeah. People really connected with Mr. Corbs. They had a lot to say in the matter. <laughs> they did. So, uh, can, we, can we hear some of our messages? Let's, let's hear what you've been saying about Mr. Corbs. So, we've got a lovely message here from Anna, who says... Hello, love the podcast. Just wanted to share my opinion about the significance of Mr. Corpse. This could be because I'm American, but when you say Mr. Corpse in an English accent, I actually thought you had said Mr. Corpse like a dead body. Keep up the great work. Love you. Anna Myers. Um, now, I heard that elsewhere as well. Yeah. That people thought we said you're Mr. Not, Corpse. You're not the only one who heard that. That had never occurred to us <laughs> that it sounded like that and you know if that was an English story if that was an English name even yeah. I'd think oh some clever wordplay no I mean I'm assuming no. that's not it German, sound the just, same in German yeah. just weird just it's a, just a weird coincidence just a weird British pronunciation <laughs> Mr. Corpse uh, <laughs> thank you thank you Anna <laughs> thanks Anna Lucy says hello not a German speaker but I do have access to Google Translate <laughs> according to that infallible source Corbs means basket in German not fox now everything becomes clear <laughs> it's all clear cheers now. Lucy they murdered a basket <laughs> Mr. Basket <laughs> I think I'd look that up as well and I just, <laughs> Decided, I just said no that was a thread you weren't willing to pull. no no <laughs> let's just leave that where it is but thank you yeah thanks Lucy thank I mean you. interesting theory uh, <laughs> Mr. Basket don't know <laughs> <laughs> next we have a message here from Lisa Marie who says hey Matthew and Adam I just listened to the weird story of Mr. Corbs and looked at the version in my German edition. Uh-huh. There is no mention of a fox anywhere in the story. So we posited in the episode, Matt had done some research and looked at different versions, different translations, uh, that in some versions available, it's suggested that it's a fox. Mr. Corbs is a it's, fox. Yeah. yeah. And so... So we were like, is it Is it a German fox? And then, yeah. and then we, wa- we, we wondered yeah. that and... Uh, sort of suggested it would make sense within the story that it's a fox. Uh, Lisa Marie is saying no <laughs> to that idea. No, definitely not. The German Wikipedia did mention that the Brothers Grimm actually explained the figure of corpse to Edgar Taylor mm-hmm. as something akin to the bogeyman, uh, basically someone who would frighten children. So the idea of a mythological, like your your standard yeah. sort of scary, unknown presence in the dark for yeah, a child. Yeah, exactly. So that's really, really interesting. It's weird, yeah. yeah. So they did kind of have a specific idea of who Mr. Corbs was. And interesting yeah. that 
that all these animals would be complicit in the murder of the bogeyman. So maybe it's like a, a sort of supposed to be a kind of cathartic tale for children of yeah. like, okay, you're scared of the bogeyman, mm-hmm. but look, these weird animals sorted him out and yeah. got rid of him. I don't know, maybe. I'd agree with you, except for the fact that he doesn't remotely appear to be like a bogeyman no. or a monster or anything. Anyway. Anyway. and uh, <laughs> Thanks, least, anyway. Least, <laughs> I tried. Elise Marie continues saying, regarding the name corpse, I couldn't find anything. We have a German word, corp, which translates to basket, so it's another okay. <laughs> suggestion there. But that didn't immediately make sense to me. <laughs> Who knows where they got that one from. I hope you're well, and thank you once again for the entertaining podcast. All the best, Lisa Marie. Oh, thank you so much, Lisa Marie. She's been really helpful she in has. other episodes as well. Yeah. And I'm really sorry, everyone, I didn't mention the basket connection. <laughs> Mr. Basket. Look at myself now. I could have been picturing that the whole time. <laughs> a basket getting egg in its eyes. Just fantastic. Uh, then we've got Anne Kristen saying, Dear Matthew and Adam, I was looking forward to Mr. Corpse and was not disappointed. It definitely is one of the more insane tales of the, of the Grimm collection. Agreeing with you, Matt. Agreed. <laughs> but you haven't hit the peak or rock bottom yet, in my opinion. Interesting. I'd like to see what, <laughs> what we think that is. I wonder what that'll be. <laughs> <laughs> One note before we get to the man himself. You've mentioned the region of Maine, which, according to my understanding, mm. isn't really a fitting translation since Maine is not a region itself, but mm-hmm. a river. Mm-hmm. So maybe region around the Maine may be more fitting. Uh, so she continues to say, Auster Mengegend. <laughs> I'm really sorry for butchering that. I'm really, really sorry. <laughs> uh, brackets, region around the main. is code for stories by the sisters Amelie Johanna, a.k.a. Jeanette, and Marie Hassenflug, who Matt has mentioned many times. Mm-hmm. Herr yeah. Corbs was most likely told them by Jeanette. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, th- I mean, thank you so much for that, Anne Kristen. That is invaluable information. So I often say... Um, it's from Maine or something. Yes. Right? Because um, I have access to the Brothers Grimm notes on their stories that they wrote underneath their stories in the first version. They wrote notes. Right, yeah. And they've been translated into English a long, long, long time ago. Poorly. So right. yeah. it says in Maine. But as she said, the Auster Mangenland. <laughs> oh, he's butchered it just as much as me, possibly more. It translates as region around Maine. So, right. But... So that's interesting in itself. But then as she says, that is code for most likely... From the Hattenflug. Exactly. Because there were a a sort of limited series of sources that the Grimm's had. And maybe this is a good time to say, one day we will do a extra Grimm on the sources. Or we will definitely look into them more. Because they're so important and it's really interesting. And Anne says, I hope that was a bit helpful and I'm very much looking forward to the next episode. Kind regards to you both. Oh, Thanks very much, Andrew. Thank you so much. So much useful information. I know. <laughs> Basket, Mr. Basket. What would we do without you guys? Uh, Laura Brevik says, Hi there. I absolutely love your grim readings and your voices. <laughs> well, thank you. Just listen to Mr. Corbs, which was very startling. And I feel a bit bad for him. Oh, a little bit of sympathy for Mr. Corbs. My point in writing is that I think Adam said he felt he knew the name Chanticleer, and I had to share that when I heard the name, my mind immediately went to a movie called Rockadoodle, (laughs) which is a silly thing to think of, but there it is. It's about a rooster named Chanticleer who sings to raise the sun. So I decided (laughs) to share with you. 
Not sure if that'll mean anything to either of you, but it'd be neat to know. Looking forward to hearing more. Laura. Does that ring any bells? Uh, no. <laughs> oh. um, sorry, that could have been where I had it from, but um. I've never heard of the film Rockadoodle, but going to watch it. Sounds great. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> um, it's, I think it's a sort of Disney-esque thing with like a... Yeah, like lots of songs and like that's, you know, that sort of Disney cartoon drawing from the 90s. Lovely. Yeah, enjoy it, Adam. Rockadoodle. <laughs> Rock Great. Maybe you did watch it and you just forgot. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, that might be the key Buried to the mystery. deep in my subconscious. <laughs> Thank you so much, yeah. everyone, for that correspondence. That was amazing. It and was, really. Glad was. you enjoyed Mr. Corpse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really. It's, uh... More than us, who knows? <laughs> uh, well, I can't believe we're saying goodbye to Charles Clear and Partlet. I know, uh, sad times, but. End of the line. We're going to miss those crazy, crazy chickens. <laughs> but onwards and upwards. So, next episode, we have. Gambling Hansel. Can't wait. Yeah. We'll see you then. See you then. Bye. See ya. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com slash grimreading to find out how and also see the range of benefits available as a thank you from us. You can, of course, email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at grimreadingpod, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook at grimreading. You can find us on podbean, podbean.com slash grimreading, and we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim. <laughs>